Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you tonight? That's a rather lame reply, I think. I don't know. But how are you tonight? Oh, okay. Now you sound a little better. Good. <laughs> Let's stand together. I hope uh, you've come expecting great things from the Lord this night. He's so good. Is he not so good? He's beyond good. He's great. He's amazing. There are really no words to describe our Lord. There are so many, but they just fall short. So we're going to sing some to him and prepare our hearts for the word. Let's take a minute, bow our heads and our hearts, and ask him to bless this time. Father, we are grateful this night, Lord. Every night you give us, Lord, that we can gather together here. Every day, Lord, that we wake and we have breath in our lungs, we are grateful to you, Lord. We know that you hold all things together, Jesus. You are the creator and the sustainer. And we long to see you face to face. But until that time, Lord, we want to honor you. We want to celebrate this life you've given us, Lord God, and share this great love that you've given us with others. And we just pray this night that we could do so and be prepared to do so as we study your holy word, Lord. Continue to reveal yourself, Lord Jesus. Show us yourself, Father, Son, and Spirit. Again, that we may be awed. And Lord, allow us to remember all that we learned tonight that we can share with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mercies of the Lord forever, I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord with my mouth till I make known Thy faithfulness, Thy faithfulness with my mouth. Yes, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Yes, 
more time. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness. The Lord forever I will sing, I will sing, I will sing, I will sing, I will sing of the mercies of our Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Yes, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Yes, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Yes, we will. His mercies are new every morning, amen? In my heart from slumbering, you meet me in morning and you speak to my grief. You're the light in my darkness, with the light of my eyes, the hope of the daybreak when the sun is slow to rise. Trust every moment in your hands. You're the God of my days, King of my nights, Lord of my laughter, Sovereign in sorrow, You're the Prince of my grace, Love of my life. You never leave me. God in my days Lord you unveil my eyes help me to see the arms of my father circling me your constant companion I'm never alone Love is a banner, Lord You're leading me home Trust in every moment in your hands You're the God of my days King of my nights Lord of my laughter Sovereign in sorrow Prince of my praise, love of my life, you never leave me, you are faithful, God of my days, my eyes are on you, my hope is in you, my faith is in you. 
God of my day, King of my night, Lord of my laughter, sovereign in sorrow, with the Prince of my praise, love of my life, you never leave me, you are faithful, God of my days, King of my nights, Lord of my laughter, your sovereign and sorrow, to the Prince of my praise, Lord, love of my God of my days, my eyes are on you, Lord. Hope is in you. God of my days, my eyes are on you, Lord. My hope is in you, God of Sovereign in sorrows. Hmm, how great he is. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting Shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? 
Your mercy is forever. 
may be seated. As our brother Dante comes up to share the word of God. First off, uh, Pastor Frank again for this uh, amazing privilege and uh, grace to allow me up here. Um, thank you uh, to you, the body of Christ. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for your uh, your prayers. Um, such such warm-hearted, warm-felt, you know, uh, uh, kindness you've shown me the past uh, week or so as I went through a little minor surgery. Um, uh, just, you know, supporting me and getting me through, and, and um, I feel the love here at Living Word, um, you know, surgery or not, you guys are great, and uh, it's, a, it's a good opportunity just to say thank you for everything, for always um, being there for me, extending a lot of grace to me, and um, loving me unconditionally like Christ. Um, so, was put, starting to put the message together, um, it was kind of confirmed uh, last Sunday uh, when Pastor Frank was talking about um, uh, God our Father in Isaiah chapter 40, um, verses 9 through 11, I believe. How, you know, the duality of, of God and, and just how he's this powerful, mighty God and at the same time a loving Father. You know, and I think um, I've done this one other time and that was in Galatians. Um, so I started, just continued, picked up where I left off in Galatians, and <clears throat> what I realized is that, you know, we want so many things from God, but I think what we need the most and what we really want is to have him as our father, to understand him for who he is as our heavenly father. I mean, Jesus referred to him as his father constantly, that intimate relationship, you know, and that's what's different about being a born-again Christian, um, you know, if, if you're visiting today um, or hearing this for the first time, it, this, is not, this is not religion. This is not like going through the works. This is a relationship with God, you know, and uh, <clears throat> we long for that. We all long for that. So if you would, um, please stand and turn to Galatians chapter 4. <clears throat> Pick up a little bit where we left off last time. <clears throat> Chapter 4, uh, verse 4 through 7. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son than an heir of God through Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for your word, Lord. I want to ask that you would impress this word upon our hearts and just uh, draw us close to you um, so we could realize just the amazing love you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So we discussed last time a little bit about um, <clears throat> the time when Christ was born in the Roman Empire, okay? And uh, <clears throat> doing just a little bit of digging, uh, we... Excuse me. We <clears throat> can go over um, Roman adoption, okay? Uh, the Apostle Paul, in um, several books, okay, Ephesians, Galatians, um, Romans, uh, he addresses um, this idea of adoption. Now, adoption is a big biblical doctrine, okay? Uh, we're not going to go too much into that, okay? I'm a, by no means I'm a theologian, but we are going to touch on it, and we're going to tell you what the, we're going to talk about what the Word of God says about it. Uh, now, in ancient Rome, okay, adoption had a powerful meaning. Excuse me. Sorry, I'm having a little difficulties earlier trying to be on point here. Okay. Um... Sorry, I apologize. It's not pulling up on there. So in ancient Rome, adoption had a powerful meaning, okay? Uh, when a child was born, now biologically, and help us out, Mike. Thank you. Uh, the parents, yeah, get behind me, Satan. You're not welcome here, all right? That's it. It's all right. You're not mindful of things of God, but things of man. Um, <clears throat> so in Rome and in Greek culture, let's just, uh, while he, Mike's helping us out here, um, you could disown your child. Okay, if you didn't like him, if you thought it was weak, they disowned him, all right? They'd kill him, okay? Um, they had, thought they had no value. So, <clears throat> so a lot of babies were killed, okay? You know, our, our archaeologists have found remains of babies in these cultures, in these areas that show they would discard newborn babies. Um, <clears throat> now, adoption was more powerful than having your own children because adoption was where you actually chose the person that you wanted to carry on your family name. You chose the person that said, he would carry on my legacy, he would fulfill the things that I started, okay, and he would do and accomplish what you had set forth to get done. Now, in the Roman Empire, you could obviously imagine this was very important because they want to expand the empire and take control of the area. Um, we talked a little bit about Julius Caesar uh, being the... Uh, Great, uh, great uncle to uh, Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was the first Roman emperor. He started the Roman Empire, okay? And Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. Now, interesting, um, he doesn't adopt him until he shows himself worthy, okay? Um, there's a war going on in Spain, current Spain, Hispania, they called it, right? Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Awesome. And what happens is Caesar Augustus is sick. He's, he's, um, he's a very weak um, young man, okay? He doesn't show a lot of potential. So Julius Caesar has no desire to, to keep him in the family, you know? He's, he's not going to consider him an heir at this point. But what he does is he travels by boat and goes to Hispania where Julius Caesar is fighting a war. And he... Um, he shows himself that he was willing to help Julius Caesar in the battle. Because he did this, Julius Caesar says, you know, he valued him. He said, hey, he's got potential. He honored him for it. And it's that point where he decides to make him his adopted son. Um, 
But you see, what I found uh, interesting there is that he had to kind of earn it. He had to show him that, you know, it's based off of merit. Um, that's how the world thinks. Not so with God. God's completely different. Okay, God doesn't choose us, okay, based off of our merit. All right, quite the contrary. Um, in 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 26, um, the word says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Okay? So that we glory in the Lord. You know, God doesn't choose us based off of our merit as the Romans were doing. Okay? They would do it for personal gain. Um, to further their empire and to stay um, in control, obviously. So, a couple of key points. Um, the child was... Again, the child was freely chosen by his parents, okay? He was desired by his parents. He was desired, okay? And once he, was become, once he became a member of the family, he was a permanent part of the family, okay? Permanent. He could not be disowned, okay? And everything that <clears throat> the father had, all his possessions, now belonged to that child. He became an heir, okay? He inherited everything the father had, okay? Also... Um, that adopted child received a new identity in Roman culture. Everything they did before was gone, wiped away. Okay, all their debts were erased. Okay, financial debt included. Responsibilities changed. All the responsibilities that they had prior were completely uh, we, uh, over and done with. They took on new responsibilities now as an adopted child, child in the Roman culture. Okay, um, and also it wasn't something that happened when you died and then was passed on. It was something that was part of life. It was considered a part of life, and they did it while they could enjoy it while you were living. They wanted them to be part of that family while they were still alive. You know, we think of inheritances today where I'm going to die and leave it to somebody else, so when I'm gone, they'll take over. Not so in the Roman culture. It was earlier while they were living, so they can actually take part in what they were doing. Okay? They would be united fully to him, and um, <clears throat> like I said have the power and, and the control that, that the family had. I don't know why this isn't working. I'm trying to... But... So, if you're reading your Bible or you've been in the Word for quite some time, you're familiar with concepts. I know some of you, like you know, Derek and other guys out there, are studying right now and you're going over to deep doctrines, you know, and, and adoption is one of them. Um, it, it's, it's something that ties into predestination, okay? Predestination is the idea that God predestined us, okay, to be conformed to the image of his son. <clears throat> and uh, he knew in advance, you know, many times in the Bible you see that the Lord says, you know, he called us before the foundation of the world, okay? Um, in Ephesians chapter 1, 3 to 6, <clears throat> it reads, Blessed be the Lord... <sighs> God and Father of our, I'm sorry, excuse me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us 
in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Okay? Um, what that's saying there, that's, that's a big um, part of scripture for predestination, where you know, God chose us, okay? He predestined us. He wanted us to be part of his family way in advance, and he did this because of his good will and love and purpose, and he did it to show how gracious he is, okay? Just, just because he's a loving God, he wants us to be accepted, all right? And when Paul is writing this, I believe it's, it's, you know, the Holy Spirit is speaking to a lot of people who understood the Roman culture that we're talking about, about adoption. And they understood that to be adopted meant you inherited all of this now. You went from being a slave to being, you know, a, a, a prince on the throne. You know what I mean? That type of idea. So you went from rags to riches. Um, and in the spiritual sense, that's what happens to us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? We become adopted into the family of God. I remember um, I was a brand new believer, like, you know, I, you know maybe it was a brand new believer, and, and it was a family barbecue at our house, and uh, somebody was there, and they, they, they asked me a question, and you know how the Holy Spirit just gives you the answer when you don't, you don't know it? <laughs> it's like he just, he just speaks on your behalf, and, and um, you know, afterwards, then going back and reading the word, I was like, wow, look at that. That's the answer I gave him, you know? Because he wanted to know and say, well, God created all people, right? God loves everyone. So we're all children of God. And I said to him, I believe something along the lines of, well, no, God loves everyone and God created everyone, but we're not all children of God. We become children of God once we put our faith in Christ. We have to be born again of his spirit to enter spiritually into his family, okay? And I said this without ever, you know, really understanding that in the Bible. But after the fact, I went back and, and realized that that is what the Word of God said. Um, and so we're spiritually reborn. If you want to be part of God's family, you must be born again. Okay. Okay. This one's working on here. Someone needs to hear this message, guys. I can tell you that. So I don't know. What's going on? I'll do the best I can with uh, just looking on here, Mike. Sorry. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank you. So at um, new birth, please, Mike. Thank you. So there are verses that talk about, you asked, now I touched on predestination just a, a tiny bit, right? So people will argue, and people have been arguing, debating this for years, right, about, well, if God predestines us and calls us into his family, does that mean that he also predestined, the ones that he doesn't predestine, are they damned to hell? No, because the Bible makes it very clear that, first of all, hell was not prepared for people, it was prepared for Satan and his angels, okay, the fallen angels. In Matthew 25, chapter, chapter 25 of the book of Matthew, Jesus is talking about the end times, he's talking about what are you doing and being faithful with what I've given you, and what's going to happen on the day of judgment, and he says to those, he's separating, at the end times, judgment comes, and the Lord will separate people like a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats, some on the right and some on the left. And he says to the ones on the right, to those who followed his will and wanted to know the Lord and love their neighbor as they're supposed to, he says, well, <clears throat> come into 
um, your heavenly kingdom, which has been prepared for you before the foundation of the world. It's been prepared for you. And then he says a verse later to the people that didn't want to know the Lord and that didn't follow his will, says, um, depart from me into um, everlasting um, fire prepared for, the, uh, for Satan and the fallen angels. Okay? What, he say, what that says is that hell is not prepared for people. Okay? He didn't design it for people. So if you're, you know, you're thinking predestination kind of hurts um, the non-believer and it's like biased in a way. Jesus said he desires that no man should perish. No child should perish, right? Let all the little children come to me. Um, I just encourage you, read the Bible fully before you, you gain a stance on where you take a position on, on the, a doctrine such as deep as predestination, okay? Because it it's takes, I'm sure, years of studying just to, <clears throat> to fully um, to grasp it. And what it's, what it's intended for is to get our faith stronger, to get us to grow closer to the Lord. So, a new birth, being born again, entering into the family of God. We have sin, it separates us from the Lord. Um, when God created man, man was perfect, all right? And in the garden, man sinned, they rebelled, they turned away from the Lord, Adam and Eve, and we are all descendants of Adam and Eve. We all have sin, we inherited it, okay? You're not a sinner because you do bad things, you do bad things because you have sin. So you have sin in your heart, okay? That separated you from God. But God made a way to bring you back to him, okay, by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to pay the price for the sin, the punishment that you deserve, all right? And he did this, and then he went to the grave. Three days he was buried. He rose from the grave. And <clears throat> for those who believe that Jesus died for their sins and rose again, they received the Holy Spirit. They are called being born again. Um, <clears throat> Jesus said, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Okay? You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You must be born of God's spirit. Okay? You can't get there by trying to be good. You have to realize that you need a savior, that you have sin, and believe that Jesus died in your heart. Believe, I'm sorry, believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sin and rose again, and you'll be saved. Um, the word tells us that God shows us the great love he had for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. He didn't wait for us to get good. He knew we were sinners. And he, he, he died, okay, knowing that <clears throat> while what, all this sin that we carry and all the horrible things we've done, he, he did it in advance, knowing that, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, you, you, can't, you can't try to get good and then come to the Lord. You have to first realize that you're not good and say, I need the Lord, okay? Um, and just tell you from experience, I mean, for a lot of years, I, I you know, thought I was good enough. And I just got to a point where I realized that, uh, you know, I don't know you. You know, I know about you, but I don't know you. And if you, if you want to know him, you simply cry out to the Lord, ask him in your heart, admit that you have sinned, um, admit that you want to be reconciled with God, admit that you want a relationship with God, if that's where you're at. And um, put your trust in Jesus, that he died on the cross and rose again for you. <laughs> okay. So once, once you become a born-again Christian, you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, okay? And it's the Spirit of God that connects us with Him, okay? The Spirit in us connects us with God the Father, okay? It is not on anything we do. It is not on, based on how we look. It is not on our appearance. We become an adopted child of God, enter into His family, when we become born again of His Spirit. The Bible tells us in Romans that 
If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. He must have the spirit of Christ. Okay? And for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. It is the, is the inside that connects to him. Right? The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Okay? And heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's pretty powerful stuff. That's, that's a real... Uh, deep study in itself right there. That's, you know, being heirs with Christ. Um, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Okay? And there's actually a, a follow-up to some of this um, that I've been going into as, as far as suffering and being glorified, okay? Because a lot of people think, well, I'm going to come to the Lord. He's going to take away everything. And, and I'm only coming because I want something from him. You know, give me money. Give me good things. I want no problems. Jesus never said that, all right? He said, in this life, you'll have trials and tribulations. He said, but don't fear because I've overcome the world. Um, John 1.12 says, okay, here we go. As many as received him, uh, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. All right, so you, you don't become a child of God by simply doing all good things, all right? Uh, <clears throat> doing what people want you to do, obeying the law, or just being born, all right, flesh and blood. It is, it is the Spirit of God, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that fills us and dwells within us and connects us back into his family, and we become part of his family. 1 Corinthians 2.11 um, touches on the connection that's needed between the Spirit inside of us and to the Father. When you get along with people and you're talking to others, you know, maybe the initial attraction might be on the outside, let's say the clothing or, or a, a common interest, something like that. But that's really not what's uniting you. What's uniting you is the stuff that's on the inside, okay? The stuff that's inside of you that can connect to the stuff that's on the inside of the other person. So it is with God, okay? God, his spirit must connect to our spirit on the inside, um, in order to be united with God, we must be filled with his spirit. And it's why we need to be born again. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit to connect to God. Sorry, guys. I'm a bit thrown off here today. There's a lot going on up here that's not making any sense. And it's kind of hard for me to follow along. I'm sorry. So, as you could probably tell. But... Um, <clears throat> It's all over the place here. Okay. So, as a child, as a new birth, all right, um, entering the family of God, one of the things, being an adopted child, it gives us access to the Father. All right? And our Father is God. Our Father is the Almighty. Our Father is the Creator. Our Father is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, right? Our Father... Um, is, is, it doesn't get any bigger, right? It doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any more powerful. Now, he's our father, okay? And I know that this is probably difficult for all of us, myself totally included, because we've had poor examples of earthly fathers. And so a lot of times what we'll do is we'll think we're, we're, we're judging God based off of our own fathers. Some of us never had fathers. And if we had fathers, they were horrible examples, right? So, you know, Earthly fathers, they're, they're filled with sin. A lot of things I'll tell my kids, you know, is, you know, 
Daddy, daddy needs Jesus just as much as you do, as you see. You know, as you've seen all my failures, you know, like, I need the Lord. He's your perfect father. He's your heavenly father. I can only do so much. I have a father in heaven, you know, and, and he's perfect. I want you to know him, your perfect heavenly father. Because I'm going to fail. I'm messing up. I'm going to mess up time and time again. My wife will tell you. My kids will tell you. Um, but he will, he, will never, he will never not have an answer that's perfect. He will always be able to provide what I can never provide. Okay, and I found these two pictures, and I think about, you know, kids, but it, it's for all of us as children of God, as the adopted children of God. We're crying out. You see this one picture here. This boy's crying out. He needs help. This is where the scripture's talking about crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, help me. You as parents know, you understand what it's like when your children need help, and, and they're coming to you for the answers. What do you do? You know, imagine having to be able to have the perfect answer all the time. And, and, and solution all the time. And they walk away completely content all the time. And you know that you did everything, and, and like being the perfect dad. We just can't do it. But God is. That's who we have. We have a perfect father in heaven. And we can come to him. The word says, let's therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. How many times do we need mercy? Right? And find grace to help in time of need. You know, it reminds me of, of, of a story that Derek shared uh, Brother Derek, uh, with his, uh, his daughter one time, like, she deserved good punishment one time, you know? It's like, this is worthy of real good discipline. And he just extended God's grace. And he's like, you know what? It's okay. I love you. And he showed her all kinds of grace and never disciplined her for it. And she broke. She just broke and she melted. And she was just overwhelmed by the grace that he extended to her. You know, I love that. I got a picture of it, how you, you, you displayed that with your daughter. It's, it's, it's God's grace, you know? Um, and he's there for us. As a perfect heavenly father, he's there for us to, 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 to give the perfect answer, to help us when we're afraid. God then gives us a spirit of uh, fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Um, these, are, these are the things that we have access to now, being adopted into his God, into this family. Okay? Um, we don't have to be afraid. Because now, through the spirit of adoption, the Bible says we cry out, Father, Daddy, help me. Not only a new birth, but we get a new position, okay? So, adopted into the family of God, <clears throat> we become slaves of, we were, we were slaves of sin, we become children of God. Jesus said, if you sin, um, you are a slave to sin. He said, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son does. He says, and if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed, he said, okay? So, he's talking about himself um, setting people free from their sin. It's the sin and the guilt and shame that we carry along that keeps us in bondage. It's not, you know, I, was, I remember I used to tell my wife, like, she, she talked to me about being born again when we were engaged, and I'd say, that's for jailbirds and crackheads. That's what I'd say. You know, I thought it was people, and meanwhile, I was the jailbird. I was the crackhead. You know what I mean? We're in bondage and slavery because of our sin. That's what really ties us down. You know, that guilt and shame that it brings on and the fact that we try to get so right on our own but we can't do it. You know, we just try so hard, spin our wheels sometimes for nothing. Well, the Son set us free. Jesus died on that cross for us so that we believe in him, put our faith in him, okay? He did, he lived the perfect life that we can never live and then took on, and did the, uh, <coughs> took on that punishment that we deserve for our sin. Um, that makes us children of God. Jesus, God's perfect Son, <coughs> Now we believe in Christ, we are sons, adopted into that family. 
God doesn't see us anymore. He sees his perfect son, Jesus, indwelling in us, his spirit living in us. So he's given us that new position. We go from having the wrath of God put upon us to citizenship in heaven. We have a new home, an eternal destination. Um, John the Baptist talked about, you know, people who do not have the son, okay, don't have life, and the wrath of God abides on them. Okay, those who have the son have life. Those who do not have the son do not have life. Um, Without Jesus Christ, we have no relationship with God, and therefore we're under God's judgment. As the adopted child of God, we no longer are under his judgment. We are now citizens in heaven. We're already there, Ephesians tells us. We're seated in heavenly places. Our spirit is connected and united with God the Father. We have have a, a, a beautiful... Um, home, we no longer have to be afraid of the, the coming judgment. Because the Bible makes it clear that, you know, the judgment is coming. And really who it's coming upon is the sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience meaning those who feel they don't need a savior. That's really the gist of it, okay? Because we all have sins and we all sin in different, many different ways. But the disobedience is denying that they need Jesus Christ as their savior. Okay, so this new position puts us in heaven. We're no longer under God's wrath. We're no longer without God. We're no longer without hope. We now have hope. We now are brought into a relationship with God. And this is the, just the fascinating part. As I said in the, the end of the, the verse there um, in Galatians and several other verses in the Bible, we are co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs. Now, that's, that's receiving an inheritance, okay, Christ has inherited everything from God the Father. And Jesus said, all that the Father has is mine, right? He, they, they are equal. They, he, is, he said, you see me, you see the Father. All right? You want to know God? You got to know Jesus. When you become adopted into the family of God, you are a co-heir with Christ. Now, I don't know if I really deep, I don't know if I still understand and grasp that, but I want to. I've been doing this study, and I really want to deep more, dig more into this because this is going to change our understanding of our identity. Tito's always talking about, we've got to know our identity in Christ. It changes everything. He's spot on. Because you know what? Understanding that what Christ has, we have. Where he sits and his position in relationship with the Father is the same for us. If it's not for him, then it can't be for us. And if we're in Christ and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, if it's not for us, it can't be for him. That's the crazy part. Okay, that's what's really, you got to flip it around and look at it the other way sometimes so you can really grasp a hold of it. Okay? Um, Charles Spurgeon, I was listening to him, and, you know, he was talking about how in Christ, we become co heirs, all right? Obviously, just as he's in standing with the Father, we're in that exact same standing. So all the rights that Jesus have, we have. If you sign an inheritance and leave a will to your children, and you make both of those children the heirs, co-equally heirs, they are, oblig- they are entitled excuse me, to exactly the same thing. One can't have more than the next. The other, they have exactly the same. They're equal. They're co-heirs. That's, who the Bible, that's what the Bible tells us we are with Christ. We're co-heirs with God the Father. So, if you really think about the magnitude of that, everything that belongs to Christ belongs to us. 
I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing, really. You know, and, and it's with Christ that we stand or we fall. Everything's based off of him and what he's done for us and his position with the Father. He's brought us to that position. We didn't get there. He made us the co-heirs. He brought us into that standing that here they are. These are my brothers and sisters, he calls us. We're called his brethren. He even humbles himself further to take the role of saying, I'll be, I've referred to as their brethren, their older brother. Because he's equal before God the Father when he's, aside, when he's next to us. I mean, that, that's, that's fascinating, really, if we could really get a hold of that. Like, we read it, and we, we, we know it, we understand it, but I think it has to sink in for us really to get that identity on where we are with Christ, um, where we are standing with the Lord. Um, the Bible tells us that he's made us kings and priests, right, to God the Father. Um, we are kings and priests of a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. We can intercede for people. We can break strongholds down, right? He says, I give you power to trample serpents and scorpions, you know? He says, freely I've, I've given you, now go give freely. We can go give this wonderful, speak life and truth into people's lives and, and transform them because of the power of the spirit that's in us. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Again, that's in the, in the think about this inheritance, okay? This is not about money. This is about he humbled himself, poor in spirit, and took on the form of a, of, of a bondservant. He came down here and took on flesh and lived like we lived, Right? so that we could be brought and elevated to his status. You know, he came down to get us, right? Um, it's, it's powerful because <clears throat> that inheritance he gives us, as Peter talks about, it's an incorruptible inheritance, okay? It's undefiled, it doesn't fade away, it can't be changed, like going back to how in the Roman culture, they would understand this when they read it because that's how it was to be an adopted child. It couldn't be... Um, uh, flipped around and you couldn't remove things that were there. Once you're inherited <clears throat> as an adopted child, that's it. Your status remains. You are, you are right there with that, <clears throat> with that you know, the, 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 the person who inherited you. And in this case, it's God for us as an adopted child of God. God Almighty. All-powerful God. Uh, Hebrews 2.17 says, For it was fitting for him from whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Okay? This is Jesus, says the captain of the salvation. You think of a captain on a football team, a baseball team, right? Leading them. We're in that team. We're on that team, and he's leading the team. He's the captain. We're following him. We're going where he goes, right? For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. You see? So... He's combined us together. A lot of times, you know, I'm in this, it's, it's, we're thinking, well, 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 Christ is certainly above us, right? But we're forgetting that he's brought us to where he is. He's made us co-heirs with him before the Father. You know, in the spiritual sense, there's a lot of, there's a lot of power in that because it, it, it transforms our understanding of our identity in Christ, you know? Maybe we wouldn't be so fearful and worried about things so much if we understood who we are in Christ. So, 
He talks about here, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Okay? And he had to be made like his brethren, the word says, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. The priest is someone who brings mankind to God. So if you have a Catholic background or you heard, you know what a priest does, right? They intercede for us. Jesus is our high priest. You don't need another man to has sin to intercede for you when you have the perfect, awesome, holy, almighty God in the flesh interceding for you, okay? He is the one who calls himself our brother. And with that, this is a good picture there. He's, he's called, he made us kings and uh, priests to God, um, to his God and Father, okay? Because we're inherited and adopted in there, his God and Father, the Almighty, is our God and Father. And this is a nice little picture of just, like I said, welcoming the brothers and sisters, okay? They're all in me. We're all one, and he's the captain of our salvation. He's the one that brings us to that elevated position. He's the one and the reason for why we are in good standing with the Father. And in his love and his humility, he doesn't take advantage of that. He doesn't say, you know, I'm up here and you're down there. He still comes and keeps himself even with us. You know what I mean? Remember in in one of the Gospels, Jesus is talking about that when I I come back and, and... when he returns, he's going to come back and serve us, you know? And the greatest of, in the kingdom of heaven shall be your servant, right? The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is always going to be Jesus. Jesus is going to be serving in heaven still because it's completely backwards to here, right? The servant is the greatest among you. There's not going to be a, a better servant than Jesus. So as crazy as we, we want to think, we know we're going, to, we're going to praise the Lord, we're going to be in heaven you know, sometimes we might get this mis- misunderstanding that maybe we're going to just, you know, see Jesus just like the big honcho, you know, excuse the expression, but like, hey, you know, like he's just there to be waited on. He's going to serve us. That, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing, you know. Um, and and this, this idea that because we're adopted into God's family, um, the position that he's put us in has... has um, the ability to really transform our understanding of God's love, his grace towards us, that he would allow us to be in that position and um, just understand who we are in Christ to really know that, hey, we have Jesus Christ as our co-heir. All right? <clears throat> so the third thing, thank you, was, is the new family um, that we now have as an adopted child of God, okay? First uh, Corinthians 12 says, says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Uh, verse 13 <clears throat> says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. It's our spirit that connects us, right? Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Okay? The inheritance idea of Jesus making us co-heirs with himself and heirs to the Father is, is telling us that the head and the body are one. Okay? The rights of the one are the rights of the other. 
Okay? What he's entitled to, we're entitled to as co-heirs. That's a strong concept and, and, and really idea that it's really, you know, like I said, I really want to dig into that because it's almost, we don't want to be disrespectful to our Lord in thinking that we, we are co with the Lord. <laughs> no, but in a spiritual sense, we are. And that full completion of it and the adoption will happen with our redemptive bodies when we are glorified. Okay, because right now it is temporary. We see dimly as in the mirror, right? But then we'll see completely. We'll understand everything the way it's supposed to be. So right now, in our sinfulness, in, in our flesh, in our carnality, you know, I'm as far from Christ as I, I feel sometimes, you know, in, 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 in every way. But in the spirit, in the indwelling spirit of God, it's the same spirit. The same spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in us. That's an amazing, wonderful, you know, truth that we need to hold on to for identity in Christ. And it's because of what Christ did, that inheritance that he brings us into the adopted family. And he, it's through that new birth. And he puts us in a new position. But then he gives us this new family. So before you're, you, you came to Christ, you, you lived differently. Different things interest you. You know, now that you're in Christ, those things are rubbish. They're, like Paul said, uh, they're, they're garbage to me. You know, I count it all lost for the knowledge of knowing Christ. We don't care about the things we used to care about. The Holy Spirit convicts us of things now where in the past we would just do whatever we wanted to do and not feel guilty about it. Now the Holy Spirit wants to refine us. Because the end game is what? To be conformed to the image of his son. That's really the end game. That's the point through it all. All right, all of this is so we could be more like Christ. He does this for a reason. And that's why, like I said, the next, um, where I just started a little bit of, of going forward with this is, that includes suffering. Christ suffered. Don't think that we're not supposed to suffer. If Christ is our example, it says in Peter, he's your example, Christ suffered, why should we not suffer? Why do we think that? Too many times Christians think that, you know, it just, it's, we get off cheap. All right, Christ suffered, we're going to suffer. But there's glory that's waiting for us through the suffering, right? And there's peace with him in the suffering. So, coming part of this family, you have to come by faith. You can't earn it, okay? Galatians is a book that, that addresses legalism uh, on, on the law and people who are trying to fulfill the law, um, mainly by being um, circumcised and, and, and still following the Jewish traditions. But once you come to Christ, all that's gone. Okay, because you come to Christ through faith. All right, when you become a son of God, <clears throat> you got there based off of the plan that God had to bring you into his family, which was a promise he made to Abraham through faith. Okay, word of God says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, for those who don't know, um, uh, or those that don't know, I should say, God made a promise to Abraham that in, in you all the nations will be blessed and your seed, okay, will be <clears throat> the, the means that by which it comes. Okay, he's referring to Jesus Christ. Years later, 430 years later, he gives the law to Moses. Um, the law just shows us that we have sin, all right? You look at the law, you know you committed a sin. You know, I'm a policeman, right? There's a law that says you can't run a red light, failure to observe a traffic signal. If there's no law that says failure to observe a traffic signal, I don't know that running the red light is breaking the law. But because there's a law that says failure to observe the traffic signal, now I know when I fail to observe the traffic, traffic signal, I've broken that law. That's what the law does. 
The law shows you you have sin, you know? Um, and, and we got to, let's drive that home to our kids, by the way, because I just, you know, we, we, we do that at home a lot, and, and that's, that's important. As, they're, as they're, they're getting older, let's let them be aware that, hey, you have sin. It's the first step. You need a Savior. Um, and then we'll get to, to, to you know, deeper into the, how, to, how to get there. But you must acknowledge that you have sin. You must know that you've fallen short of God's standard, right? Now, we're, we're put in this position as co-heirs <clears throat> through faith, okay, not the law. And once we're there into this new family, we have a new position. We have also new roles in the family. We have a new family, and our family is completely different as it was before. You know, I could, I could think about, like, how people live. As a policeman, I, I, I see a lot of people's lives, and, and you know, they, they really, they, they're going through such, such hard, hard times, and, and a lot of it's all just stemming back to the fact that they're, they're, not, they're not in the Lord, you know? They're, they're with sin, and they're looking for answers, and they don't know where to go. They don't understand why things are the way they are, you know? And they're living lives of confusion, and, and they're hurting, and they can't figure out how to fix it. And, and really, it's just it's, it's the Lord that they need, right? But those families, um, they're falling apart, and you look at the body of Christ, the family, how different it operates, you know? You have families out there, how many people would kill the other person to get that inheritance? How many other people cheat one another just to get advantage of brothers and sisters? One of the big things I remember that hit me uh, before I was a believer was, why do we treat each other so badly, myself included? Why am I pointing fingers at my family? Why can't we get along better the way that I want them to get along? I was trying to figure out, you know, what is this, you know, it was sin. But I, you gotta, you gotta you search and realize there's something missing. What's going on here, right? Well, the family of God, um, it's completely different and operates differently from how the world operates, obviously. Um, and we have different roles. And in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, the word says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This new family we're adopted into is to build up the family, to build each other up and edify the body in love. And everybody has a different role and a different part. And every part is just as important as the other. Please remember that. Please remember that and... and and remember that for not for yourself, but also for others. We are to build each other up. We are to love one another. We are to be sensitive to one another. There are multiple chapters, and if you're reading your Bible, you should be aware of it, where you know, we, are, we are told how we should be loving one another as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. All right? Jesus, 
came and he loves his body. He's the head, right? We are to love his body. We are to love his body because if we love those, if we don't love those that we see and say that we love him who we don't see, we're lying, right? The Bible tells us we're a liar, okay? He's called us to be conformed to his image. He's adopted us into this family, and he said, to whom much is given, much will be required. That's a big responsibility. We're adopted into the family of almighty God. And now with that means build up my body, okay? Love one another. My commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. That's my new commandment, right? He wants us to love one another. And each part does its own share for one special reason. I highlighted the green and the yellow separately because the green is the part of talking about what the body does, okay? Equipping the saints for ministry, edifying the body. Each part does its own share and supplies it different ways. And the yellow is what? To come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, That's the goal, to be like Christ. Grow up into all things who is the head, to be like Christ. The yellow represents the end game, the goal, to be like Christ and to love one another, to love his body. That is our our position now as adopted members of his family. Um, In addition to that, we are grafted in, okay, to the promises of Israel. We are part of now what God has promised all right, to Israel, his chosen people, all right? All the promises that are for them are for us. I've heard preachers say that that's, that's not the case, and they're wrong, because the Bible is clear on it. And I heard it once, and, and it bothered me. And it's been put to bed because God took care of it, and I'm glad. Because the promises for, is, for Israel are the promises for us. Otherwise, the Bible is, is wrong. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Right? That's the first line in the Bible, all right? All the promises he made to, <clears throat> to Abraham was so that all the Gentiles, all the nations will be saved through him, right? Right here in Ephesians, he goes over it clearly and says that, uh, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ he further would say, separates the wall of division between the Jew and Gentile and brings us together, right? Now, therefore, we're no longer strangers and foreigners. We're part of the family of God. We're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That is our family. And again, if you, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, uh, that he died for your sins and rose again, and, and you know that you need a savior, um, you will become adopted into God's perfect family. You know, um, the, the, the fact that he expresses it that way about the inheritance and everything that is for Christ is for us and that nothing can change that adoption. He can't disown it. He can't remove the inheritance. He can't change. The, the, the ink is permanent. You know, it's, it stays that way. That's something we have to really accept and, and, and trust in his word because I know our fathers on earth have done a horrible job, okay? They've done a horrible job. And, you know, not because, for no other reason than, than other than sin. It comes down to that. I spoke to my father, um, a long-weighted conversation that I, I probably should have had long ago. Um, when I was going through this stuff uh, with my uh, surgery, he was very helpful and everything, and, and, and uh, 
I know the Lord made it clear to me, he said when I was in the hospital, you need to speak to your father. You need to talk to your father. You need to reconcile with him. You need to stop holding on to things. Because I didn't know I was, but deep down somewhere, I was still probably holding on to some stuff, bitterness, frustration, and, and just a little bit of anger, and, and I had to let it go. And the best thing I did was a conversation we had in, in, in the ride to the hospital, Anglewood Hospital. I said, you know, that, and he knows I'm a born-again Christian, and he, he's heard me um, preach the gospel and everything, and um, he's... Uh, he still shows me the same love that, he, that you know, a father should show his son. Um, but this was about me being obedient to the Lord and not passing judgment any longer on a non-believer. And I said, Dad, you know, it's not your fault. Because it's not your fault. He said, what are, you, what are you talking about? I says, I love you, Pop. I says, but I want you to know, number one, first things first, you hurt me. You hurt me in a lot of ways. Growing up, you hurt me in a lot of ways. And I forgave you, but the Lord told me to be clear on it and full, wholeheartedly forgive you. And I said to him, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I sat with it for a little bit, and I said to him, I forgive you. I forgive you for how you've treated me, how you hurt me. I says, because you know what? It's not your fault. You're not understanding what you're doing. It's the sin in you that's doing it. I says, you're responsible for your, your actions. I says, don't get me wrong, but the bottom line is, I am in no position to judge you. I says, the Lord forgave me. I need to forgive you. I says, and I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. I says, I'm sorry for holding on to it. I'm sorry for not wholeheartedly forgiving you. That's not fair. That makes me a hypocrite. I says, I forgive you. I says, and I want you to forgive me. I said, I need you to forgive me. I want you to understand I have no right to be holding bitterness towards you. I'm sorry for that. I says, because, because I should know better now. Because now I'm, I'm in the Lord, and, and he's forgiven me time and time and time again. And I finally got to the place of obedience where I said, you know, let it go. Forgive him. And I had this conversation with him, and I told him that I'm sorry for, for holding it against him. I told him that I forgive him, and I do. And it changed everything in our relationship. It really did. It softened things up a lot. Um, I can see that... <laughs> The Lord is already using that to try to stir up his interest in the Lord, you know? So I would encourage you, like if there's something that is, is still there, you know, step out, just step out in faith and do it now. I waited a little too long. I thought I, thought I did and, and let it go completely, but evidently I didn't because it was still irking me and it took me to be at like a weak point where I was, you know, in a lot of pain. I had to get to the hospital and I saw his love to me. And I said, what am I doing? What am I doing? You know? And, and, and I said, the Lord made it clear. Yeah, forgive him. Talk to him. And I talked to him. And it's the best thing I did with my father probably, you know, my entire life. So I'd encourage you, if, if you're at that place where you, maybe you need to do that, do it. Don't waste any time. All right? If you're a believer, you're commanded to do it. Forgive. You've been forgiven. All right? And um, it'll only bless your relationship. But... Um, I just wanted to also just touch on something a little bit before uh, closing up on the inheritance part because I really think that's, that's fascinating on, on being co-heirs with Christ. Um, you know, Charles Spurgeon put it this way and um, makes perfect sense. You know, this is, this is his um, study and that, that I got it from where it, it has to be, if he's calling us co-heirs, okay, then 
He can't have anything, Jesus Christ, in his position to the Father unless we have it as well. You see what I mean? It, it, it works both ways. He is removed from his status if we are removed from our status. That's the way you have to think about it. Because it's easy for us to grasp the concept, hey, I'll be removed from the status and that position because we know we're not worthy of it, right? But to say it the other way really gets an idea of how to grasp this. Jesus Christ cannot be in the full inheritance of the Father and have all things under his authority unless we are there co-equally with him because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Mind you, that's the, that's the, the, the peace, right? You must be born again. It's the Holy Spirit, right? And if you are a true believer and you have the Holy Spirit, you are right in equal value with the Son of God. I, I mean, I, that's this is it's more fascinating the more I kind of read and think about it. You know, this is this is really I'm really thankful that that Pastor Frank allowed me to be here this because it got me deeper into that and. I'm going to continue deeper into that personally because I really want to grasp and get hold of that. You know, co-heirs with Christ is a, is a position that this world cannot give you. You know, it really can't. And I don't know about you guys, but in my own life, I'm finding like I was so wrong to think that the things in this earth, that in this world here that they give me is going to take care of everything, right? And God will give you those little pieces at a time. He'll let you wait for it and they'll give you it. And you'll get it, and you'll say, it's not like you. <laughs> I need you. And he's, he's, he's making me more aware that it, it, our, our motives, our priorities, our relationship with him should be number one. You know, we have to seek that. And um, as adopted, we are now called his, um, <clears throat> we are his chosen generation, right? Peter writes about we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we could proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We didn't get there on our own. He called us out of this darkness, right? That's more predestination stuff, by the way. As he, if you start reading and start looking at the terms used in the, in the word of God, chosen, elect, you know, God foreknew this, right? It says in the end of chapter 8 in Romans, he predestined us, he foreknew it, and he called us, and he will glorify us, you know? We've been justified, because of cross die, uh, Jesus dying on the cross. Now, we were it's not a people of God, but, and we had not obtained mercy, but now we are the people of God, and we did obtain mercy. So what this means is, now we have an obligation to go out there and share it with others out there as well. Right? To let them know they can be called out of the darkness as well. And the reminder is just um, being part of God's family, adopted into his family, that you know, through faith in Christ... The indwelling spirit of Christ makes us part of God's family. You must be born again. You must have the Holy Spirit of God, okay? The living God living in us, connecting to him. It reunites us with him. It comes by faith alone in Christ that he died on the cross for our sins and rose again. And his spirit gives us new life. It gives us a new home, new destination. It gives us a new family. We have a wonderful new family. And I love you guys as my family. You guys are my family. I want you to know that. You guys are wonderful. All my brothers and sisters in Christ. Those who are here and those who are not here. Um, there you go. <laughs> um, so what Jesus said to his, his family uh, before he left, right? Before he went to the cross. 
In chapter 14 of John, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go, I prepare a place for you, that where I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is promise, right? He's coming back for us. This inheritance, it's going to be completed. He's going to return, and he's going to bring us back. And that's where you're going to see the full. We're all going to see the true inheritance, our glorified body, our redemptive body. This is just where Pilgrim's going through. This isn't the end game. It's part of his family now, but it's a temporary piece of it. It's fulfilled when he returns or when we're called home to go home with the Lord, right? And that's his promise to us. And it can be trusted. And it can't be changed. Remember, it's an inheritance. And so where I go, you know, and the way you know, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Matthew 28, 20, be sure of this. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Um, he, is not, he is not the Father that we know here on earth, right? He is the perfect, he is the almighty God, you know? He is the all-powerful God. He's the God who showed his acts to the people of Israel, right? He does the miracles. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that he loves sinners during his ministry. He loves sinners now. That means if he healed them then, he heals them now. If he gave them the opportunity to come to a relationship with God the Father, he does it now, right? Um, so just be encouraged. Um, there's more to follow um, as far as uh, my own study with this. And I would just leave you with this for, for those of you who are in the word. Get in Romans chapter 8, right? And see where, if indeed we suffer with him, right? That we may be glorified together. Because there is, there is actually a good thing about going through the suffering, right? And it's what we're called to do. Christ suffered. Why shouldn't we? Right? But I'm glad I'm part of your family, guys. And um, just what, what a wonderful thing to remember that uh, we, have a, we have a father who is God Almighty. He's the perfect father. Thanks a lot. Amen. Man, what a great word, right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Dante. Let's stand together as we close. Such powerful truths, Dante. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself again to us. We're going to close in song. The altars are open if you'd like to come here or just stand where you are and just sing praises to him as we close.
to us, Lord, every day. It's such a great thing, Father. We just pray, Lord, your blessing upon this body, God, and ask for continued renewal and strengthening by your Spirit, your indwelling Holy Spirit, Lord. And Father, I just ask that every soul that's heard this word tonight, may their hearts be open to you if they do not know you, Lord. May they come to know you this night, be born again of your Holy Spirit, and truly experience the peace that you gave yourself for Jesus. And may you be honored as we spend the rest of our days until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.